0: a story about the crew of a ship facing imminent crisis because they had encountered a furious storm and these experienced sailors soon realized that ship was not going to be able to survive the storm. And so the captain called his crew together and he says, Does anyone here know how to pray? And one man raised his hand. One man stepped forward and said, Yes, sir, I know how to pray. And the captain said, Good. You pray while the rest of us put our life jackets on. We're one short. (laughs) Well, I believe in prayer. I also believe in life jackets. Or to put it another way, I think prayer is most effective when right behavior is most active. And I think this was a significant theme in Jesus' teaching on prayer. We've covered now in some detail every expression of the Lord's prayer. And I hope it has blessed your prayer life. But as I gave considerable thought and prayed about how to conclude this study, I began to realize, and I think it was the Holy Spirit who gave me this insight, that the Lord's Prayer is not just a way to pray, but it is a way to live. That what Jesus was doing was teaching us how to talk and walk. See, there's a problem when it comes to prayer, and it's simply this. The fact is that prayer is often an act. The fact is that prayer is often an act. And too often prayer is just an exercise in strut your stuff spirituality with no real connection to life. You see, it was exactly this kind of attitude about prayer that motivated Jesus to teach. On prayer. Just before he gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said in chapter 6, verse 5 of Matthew, now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you, that is all the reward they will ever get. Jesus says for some people, prayer is just spiritual talk to cover And a very unspiritual walk. He said later in his Matthew 23, Woe to the Pharisees. He says, hypocrites, you shamelessly cheat widows out of their property. And then to cover up the kind of people you are, you make long prayers in public. And so, Jesus knows that prayer is often used as a kind of costume. Ironically, this is exactly how some use the Lord's prayer. Jesus gave us a prayer to teach us not to use prayer as a costume. And that is exactly what we do with the prayer He gave us. How many of you have seen a sporting event where the athletes curse the referees, fight each other, taunt each other? Make obscene gestures to the crowd. And then after the game, they all get in a circle and they hold hands and get on their knees and say the Lord's Prayer. Then they get up to see how drunk they can get or how many women they can get in their bed. And the prayer that Jesus gave us to teach us not to use prayer as a costume is used as a costume. You see, what I think the Lord is showing me is this. That Jesus wants what we say on our knees to match what we do on our feet. The Lord's Prayer is not just to be memorized. It's to be realized in our daily walk. It's not just a way to pray. But a way to live. And so the need is to model... What we plead? Remember that kingdom, citizens, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, that means we're going to pray to be more righteous. But it also means we are righteous so we can be more effective in prayer. In James 5.16, the scripture says, The prayer of a righteous man. Is powerful and effective. In another scripture Paul says that men should lift up holy hands in prayer. And people get all sidetracked by the word hands. And that's not the main word. The word that Paul is really emphasizing is the word holy. It's the prayer of righteous people. It's the prayer of holy people that is powerful and effective. In other words God has little use for prayers That engage the tongue, but never engage the will. What God wants to see is integrity. Does your public life match up with your private prayers? Does your private life match up with your public prayers? Is there integrity between your walk and your talk? Or is prayer just a costume for you? Some years ago, the movie Chariots of Fire introduced the rest of the world to one of the great Christian heroes of the 20th century. A Scotsman named Eric Little a great runner who went on after getting Olympic gold to live and eventually die in a prison camp in China. Eric Little was a man of integrity. You'll remember in the movie, he would not race on Sunday. His walk would match his talk. And someone in prison with him in North China during World War II made this comment about Eric Little. What was his secret? Well, once I asked him, but I really knew already, for my husband was in his dormitory and shared the secret with him. Every morning about 6 a.m. with curtains drawn tightly to keep the shining of our peanut oil lamp lest the prowling sentries would think someone was trying to escape. He used to climb out of his top bunk Past the sleeping forms of his dormitory mates, and then at the small Chinese table, the two men would sit close together with the light just enough to illuminate their Bibles and notebooks. And silently they read, prayed, thought about what should be done. Eric was a man of prayer, not only at set times, though he did not like to miss a prayer meeting or communion service when such could be arranged. He talked to God all the time, naturally, as one can who enters the school of prayer to learn this way of interdiscipline. He seemed to have no weighty mental problems. His life was grounded in God, in faith, and in trust. See, eventually, it will be revealed whether or not your prayer life is phony. A kingdom citizen must intend to walk the talk. I heard of a successful hotel manager that would get together every week with have a staff meeting with the important employees of his hotel. And every week he would give them a card and it would say, my reputation is in your hands. Well, I want to suggest to you that if we pray like Jesus taught us, the same is true of us. If you pray, our Father In heaven. As you begin to pray. And if when you close your prayer. You say in Jesus name. Then literally. The reputation of God. Is in your hands. And so then. As we think about what we prayed for. As we studied the Lord's prayer. How does our walk match our talk? Let me ask you three questions tonight. Number one, are you walking expectantly? <clears throat> I heard a story about a Sunday school teacher that asked her small children to all write cards and letters to the missionary the church supported. And she explained to the children, now the missionary is very busy, so he probably will not have time to write each of you back, but your letter will encourage him, just don't be discouraged if you don't hear from him. And so they wrote their letters, and the missionary got one from a small child, and it said, Dear Mr. Missionary, we are praying for you, but we are not expecting an answer. What do you prepare for when you pray your kingdom come? Let me say that again. When you pray your kingdom come, what do you get ready for? See, prayer is a way of denying that things have to stay the way they are. Kingdom prayer asks God to come into history And do what he longs to do. And yet often we pray like we expect nothing to change. This is not a new problem. We all remember the story in Acts 12 where Peter and James are arrested. And the church, I'm sure, prays for them. And then James is murdered. And I'm sure some thought to themselves, well, you know, it's good to pray for people. But nothing really changes, does it? And so they meet to pray for Peter. And an angel comes and releases Peter from prison and he shows up at the prayer meeting and he knocks on the door and you remember how a servant girl named Rhoda goes to the door and she comes back and tells the crowd Peter's at the door and they all say, be quiet girl we're trying to pray for Peter. And the scripture says they go to the door and see Peter and the the text says they were astonished. They clearly were not expecting the answer. They were asking for. There's a true story about a church in a small town in Mississippi many years ago. And the town was dry. They could not sell liquor in the city limits. And so just outside the city limits, plans were made to open the very first tavern in that county. And one of the churches in that little town was opposed to that move. And so the minister asked the church to pray and fast against the opening of that tavern. Just one week before it was to open, the tavern was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. Well, everybody in town knew what that little church was doing, so the tavern owner filed a lawsuit against the church, (laughs) suggesting that their prayers were the reason his tavern burned down. The church hired a lawyer to go to court to say, our prayers had nothing to do with your tavern burning down. And it prompted the judge to reply, I don't know yet what I'll decide, but it's clear the tavern owner believes more in prayer than the church does. It makes me think maybe God doesn't answer some of our prayers so we won't have heart attacks. The scripture says in James 1, 6 and 7, When you ask Him, be sure you really expect Him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, when you get up off your knees, do you take a step in the direction of an expected answer? You pray, Lord, please bring the lost into the fold. Let us see a harvest of souls saved. Okay. Okay. So then you go to eat and the waitress walks up and she's new in town and introduces herself. What do you say to her? Is she possibly an answer to the prayer you just prayed? And Lord, increase our faith, oh Lord, help me be more faithful. And then you hear the preacher say it's time to start tithing. Or you learn of a missionary that needs some help. Do you take a step in the direction of the answer? And Lord, just just make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. Just make me a servant. Do what you must do. And then you find out the children's ministry needs some help this summer in the children's classes. Are you walking expectantly? Now we all know there are times when we pray for things and God's answer is no. No. But we're talking specifically right now about praying for the kingdom to come. You don't ever have to wonder if God wants His reign to increase in the world. And when you pray for God's reign to increase somewhere, you can't expect God to respond. The question is, after you get up off your knees, are your feet going to walk in the direction of the answer? The scripture says in 1 John 5, and we can be confident. That he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we know he's listening when we make our request, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. So, what good does it pray, your kingdom come, if you're not going to embrace the opportunity to help bring it? Are you walking expectantly? Second, are you walking benevolently? Do you remember that we're not just in the Lord's Prayer, there are no personal pronouns? All through the prayer, it's our Father, our daily bread. Give us, lead us, deliver us. It should remind us that the purpose of prayer is not to make us more selfish. The scripture says in James 4 verse 3, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. One thing that Jesus is teaching us in this prayer is that none of us is an only child. We pray to our Father, and we show concern for all God's children. And so, for example, when you ask for bread, are you going to be willing to share it? If we ask for bread on our knees, can we practice hoarding? And wastefulness and apathy for the hungry on our feet. God gives us so many opportunities to ask for bread so we can share it. In fact, I want to introduce you to one right now. i got three young men who are going to come up here right now and help me. Guys, come on up. This is Brock New, Connor Cullum and Ben Weaver and I've asked them to come help me with this part of my sermon because I want them to tell you about an opportunity where you can walk in the direction of helping the kingdom to come. I'm going to start with Brock. I believe there should be right now a picture of some beautiful children from Zambia where our missionary Jacob Sianangu serves the Lord. 20% of the adult population of Zambia is HIV positive. Everywhere we went when I was in Zambia, you saw orphans. These are some of Jacob's kids. Some of the orphans that he supports. Now, I want to ask you, Brock, first, just hold this and talk to us. Uh, what do these children need?
1: They need clothes and... They need clothes and... Socks and underwear and everything
0: that 's right it 's very, very hard in Zambia to find good clothing, and these kids have no way to get clothing in fact didn 't you have a story about one boy? What was that story oh
1: it's uh, it's this is Jacob Singu uh, writing an email to twenty four seven and it 's I have been down in the bush, bush valley three hundred and sixty seven miles into the rural Area checking on two kids living in the bush eating f- wild fruits since both of their parents have passed away from AIDS. They are really skinny bones, wearing little animal skins down to their waists and nothing on top. I was able to bring them with. Me and they are now in my home.
0: You cannot imagine for these kids how much the clothes that we discard would mean. Um, Connor, tell us a little bit about how did the 24-7 kids, how did y'all learn about this need?
1: Well, um, my dad and my grandpa have um, known Jacob for some time now, and they um, communicate with him pretty pretty, um, often. um, Thank you. By email, and um, um
0: <laughs> what do they say? How'd you learn about it, buddy?
1: And um, they recently sent him some money to buy um, uniforms for their kids because they, they were getting made fun of at school because they didn't have a uniforms, which is stuff like we kind of take for granted.
0: Yeah, yeah, you see them there in their uniforms. Uh, only about 50% of kids in Zambia can go to school because public education isn't free in Zambia it costs about fifty dollars a semester to go to school and that's a price simply unaffordable to a great percentage of the people but all of Jacob's orphans get to go to school and uh thanks to the help of people like the Cullums, they have uniforms to wear now Ben what are you uh what are the kids in the junior high what do y'all want to do to help these children and what can we do to help them
1: well, what the people in the junior high are doing, every Sunday in April we're trying to get the kids to bring some money for so we can send it to Jacob so he can buy things like that. And every dollar that the junior high brings in, some of the teachers in the junior high are going to match. So that might be a lot of money if we bring it in. And also on Sunday, April 24th, we're going to bring some of our clothes, our old clothes and shoes so we can send it over to them because they don't have a lot and we take a lot of that for granted.
0: Okay, so these kids are going to raise money to buy clothes. And then on April 24th, you may have some children's clothing around your house. If you'll bring it to the church and bring it to 24-7, we're going to load it up and send it over to Zambia so Jacob's kids can have some clothes. Hey, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate what you're doing. One of the things Jesus is trying to teach us is that when you talk to the Father, you cannot forget your brother. And so, we should ask for bread in order to share it. And then we should ask for forgiveness in order to extend it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in our debt. You see, it's not just bread I've got to be a good steward of. If I'm going to live the Lord's Prayer, I need to be a good steward of grace as well. Can I give my brother the silent treatment? And then expect to be heard by God? I think one of the things that keeps the kingdom from coming most of all is our refusal To forgive each other. Heard an amazing story that Philip Yancey tells in his book, Rumors of Another World. You recall that when Nelson Mandela was released from prison after 27 years in South Africa, and then elected president of South Africa, he modeled grace in a way that was amazing. He invited his jailer, to join him on the inauguration platform. And then he appointed Archbishop Desmond Tutu to head an official government panel with the daunting name the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Because Mandela realized that often when one race or tribe takes power from another, the inevitable result is the opportunity to seek revenge. So for the next two and a half years, South Africans listened ...to reports of atrocities at these hearings. And the rule was simple. If a white policeman... ...would come and confess his crime... ...and face his accusers... ...fully acknowledge his guilt... ...he could not be punished or tried... ...for that crime. Now some people were upset with Mandela... ...that he was letting criminals go free... ...but Mandela responded, right now our country needs healing... ...even more than it needs justice... At one of these hearings, there was an Afrikaner policeman with a good Dutch name of Vandebroek. Mr. Vandebroek, while he was a policeman, had taken an 18-year-old boy and he and his peers had shot him and then in order to destroy the evidence, they had put him over a fire and turned him around like it was a spit to destroy the evidence. And then eight years later, They broke into the same house and took the father, bound him up while the wife watched, put him on a wood pile, poured gasoline on him, and set him on fire. And now here was Mr. Vanderbrock in court before the woman whose husband and son he had murdered. And the judge said to the woman, what do you want from Mr. Vanderbrock?" And she said she wanted him to take her to the place where they had burned her husband's body. So she could gather up the dust and give him a decent burial. And with his head down, Mr. Vonderbrock nodded in agreement. And then she asked for one more thing. She said, Mr. Vonderbrock took all my family away from me. And I still have a lot of love to give. Twice a month. I would like for him to come down to the ghetto and spend a day with me, so I can be a mother to him. And I would like Mister Vanderbrock to know that he is forgiven by God, and that I forgive him too. And I would like to embrace him, so that he can know my forgiveness is real. Spontaneously, the courtroom began singing "Amazing Grace." as the elderly woman worked her way to the witness stand mr vanderbrock however did not hear the hymn because he had fainted overwhelmed sometimes you have to let go so the kingdom can come and so you see if you're walking the talk prayer makes you more eager to share I'm going to share my bread. I'm going to share God's forgiveness. Are you walking benevolently? And one more question Are you walking obediently? What good is prayer for deliverance from temptation, for deliverance from evil? If you're going to continue walking in the direction of disobedience, can you ignore God's word and then expect him to listen to yours? Do you remember, guys, what Peter says to us about the way we treat our wives? That if we're harsh with them, if we are disrespectful to them, if we dishonor them, Peter says, First Peter 3, 7, if you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. You can't talk on your knees, then get up on your feet, be rough with people, and expect an audience with God. See, a lack of hunger for righteousness will result in a lack of harvest in prayer. David said in Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And the issue here is not one of perfection, but it is one of direction. We're not going to be sinless, but are we trying to sin less? Are you walking intentionally in the direction of increasing obedience? Or are there parts of your life that you know are out of line with the will of God and you continue to ignore them? Because if you do, then prayer is just a costume, isn't it? See, I want you to understand something. Communion with God means the asking goes both ways. In other words, as you pray and ask for the kingdom to come, God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to start asking things of you too. And when a kingdom citizen prays, He has already decided the answer is yes, no matter what God asks. With great wisdom, a mother was teaching her daughter to pray. And like most immature children, or for that matter, most immature adults, her prayer was dominated by give me this and give me that and do this for me and do that for me. And when she was through, mama said, don't bother to give God directions. Just report for duty. There's wisdom there if you'll take the time to think about it. Anybody can talk kingdom talk. But powerful things happen when people get up off their knees and walk the kingdom walk. It's a powerful thing to pray, Lord, the God of heaven, may your name be honored all over the earth. May your reign be revealed down here like it is up there. Do we really want that? Do we really want up there to come down here? John Ortberg, in his book, God is Closer Than You Think, has this to say. God, make up there, come down here. It can happen. Every time you are in conflict with someone, want to hurt them, gossip about them, or avoid them, but instead go to them and seek reconciliation and forgiveness, the kingdom is breaking into this world. Every time you have a chunk of money and decide to give sacrificially to somebody who is hungry or homeless or poor, the kingdom is breaking into this world. Anytime someone has an addiction and wants to partner with God so much that they're willing to stop hiding, acknowledge the truth, and get help from a loving community, the kingdom is breaking into the world. Every time a workaholic parent decides to stop idolizing their job, rearranges their lives to begin to love and care for the little children entrusted to them, the kingdom is breaking into the world. Every time you love, every time you include someone who's lonely, every time you encourage someone who's defeated, every time you challenge somebody who's wandering off the path, every time you serve the under-resourced, it's a sign that the kingdom is once more breaking into the world. It's good to pray for the kingdom to come. But it's better when after you pray, you step in the direction of the answer. Let's bow our heads right now. Let's sing and let's pray together.
2: Seek ye first the kingdom of God.
0: And His
2: righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Singing, "Gallelu, hallelujah!" Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and
0: I'd like you first to pray a kingdom prayer right now. An area where God has put a burden on your heart because His rule is not revealed. But you pray right now in that area for the kingdom to come. now I want you to pray, Lord impress on my heart through your spirit any step of obedience you might want me to take in the direction of your answer. And the door will open if you truly seek it.
2: and it shall be given unto you.
0: One more song now, and uh, it really is an older song, and still a great one because it reminds us that what does God really want of us—to love mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly with our God. Elders are ready to pray for you in room 109 if they can minister. We're ready to receive anyone this morning or this evening that wants to be baptized into Jesus. Just let us know down here at the front. Let's encourage each other to walk with the Lord. Let's stand up now. When we walk
2: with the Lord
0: in the light of his word what Standing, remember to get your tickets for the dinner theater and parents of teenagers remember the meeting in the junior high room of 24-7 after we're dismissed Uh, we're looking forward to another study of heaven on Sunday let's bring our friend and enjoy that David Young would you dismiss us with prayer let's sing one time that great song step by step because God wants us to walk and talk all the way to heaven oh God you are my God and I I never praise you, O oh God, you are my
3: God, and I will never praise you, I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead
4: Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, help us to walk the talk. Father, help us to walk expectantly. Help us, Father, to walk benevolently. And finally, Father, help us to walk obediently. Father, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Father, give us our daily bread and help us to share that daily bread with others in need. Thank you, Lord God, for your son Jesus who lives within us Help us to share him with all that we come in contact with the rest of this week. Guide our steps, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.